Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Phyllis Smith, and I played Phyllis Lappin Vance. Hello, everybody, and welcome back, one and all, to The Office Deep Dive. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner, and I am so excited to present to you my interview with Phyllis Smith. And guys, this episode is truly one of my favorites ever. Not only because Phyllis is obviously wonderful, but because I finally, finally got to have my Oprah moment. Now, here's what happened. As some of you may know, Phyllis did not start out as an actor. No, Phyllis was actually Allison's casting associate on The Office, but she was just so perfect that Greg Daniels and Ken Quapas decided to cast her. And obviously... She went on to be an incredible part of our ensemble. So Phyllis and Allison had worked together many years, become very, very close friends, but they don't get to see each other very often these days. So when I was going to be interviewing Phyllis, I said to Allison, hey, Allison, why don't you come in? You guys can talk about casting and then I can talk with Phyllis about, you know, her progression through the show. And But let's surprise her. Don't tell Phyllis that you're going to be there. And as you will hear right now, it was just the best moment. So, um, oh, I'm so excited. Let's roll the tape. 
squeak I love it Bubble and squeak I know Bubble and squeak I cook it every morning Left over from the night before I'm so excited for Phyllis Me to too. come in and see you. Where is she? She's out there. She just oh, okay. doesn't know that you're here. Okay. Are we good? Okay. She's going to walk through that door. I love this. Skinny Phyllis. What's the deal? I don't know. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. Hi, Brian. Hello. How are you? Good. So good to Better see you. Better now. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hi, Phil. Hey, <laughs> yo, Hello. <laughs> Ask her most everything. Yeah. No, ask her. <laughs> so I just this is just to tell you what's going on. So I had my thing. I've interviewed Allison. We've talked about okay. casting the entire show. But I said to her, let's let's leave off Phyllis because I wanted you to to come in and you guys to have be able to have a conversation together. So how when did you guys meet? Oh God. Okay. The first pilot we worked on together was called 1973. Right. Was it 1973 at those offices across yeah. from Universal? Uh, right. And we yeah, cast yeah, James ben. Franco and Ben Foster in a really yeah. bad sitcom. We were in that um, trailer. Oh, we were in the trailer. That We were in the trailer first. On NBC's lot. That's right. And that was... Because um, Jessica Walters. Walter screamed at her agent for sending her to the wrong place. And right. we were like hiding <laughs> behind the desk. Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> we're like, what's Don't going go on? Don't go out there. She's yelling at her agent. <laughs> um but um, yeah, it was in a terrible trailer, and it was during like uh, El Nino, and our trailer everything was soaked. Everything was soaked. They had terrible rain. There were leaks. And from my point of view, I had been working with Alan Hochberg. Yes. And the day that was my last day with him, on yeah, uh, we I went across the hall to say goodbye, mm -hmm. and that's when um, uh, whose office. They said, oh, Allison Jones. I think I said, Ro Diamond did. Yeah, and yeah, I said, sent you uh, to me. do you know of anybody who's looking for a casting yeah. associate? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, yeah, Allison Jones is. Yeah. And so then I contacted mm -hmm. you, and then mm -hmm. I had an interview on Monday, and you started me on Wednesday. Yes, right, right, right. And I remember Steve <laughs> Jacobs, who's another casting director, said, if you want someone to whip you into shape, hire this gal. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he did <laughs> He did not. <laughs> what, what, so what year is this? Uh, 1998 or seven, say, 98 yeah. probably. 98 or 97. Because then we went on to do some- Like Freaks and Geeks. We did other- uh, Yeah, but before that we did oh, Roswell, yeah. which was oh, hellacious. Yes. Oh, we, yeah. call our, we call that the lowest point of both of our lives. <laughs> it was well, just hellacious because it was for a network that needed beautiful people. I told you that's where Heath Ledger wasn't good looking enough for Fox. Right. And Ian Summerholder. Oh, Ian Summerholder. Yeah, yelled at me because yelled at you he because thought you I didn't read, read too read fast. Yeah. Yes, we were shocked. Anyway, bless him. Uh, you got yelled at for reading too fast with the actor in the room. Oh, and I felt terrible, but yeah, he yelled at me right after the he had to have right some after excuse the audition. Though, so. Yeah. Oh my! I've never done that. Yeah. I, I should try that. Did yeah. he get the job? 
that like traumatized no, no. me. So I tried to slow it down no. after that. So you worked together from 97, 98 through 2003, yeah, the whole time? Yeah, you still worked through the first episodes of The Office, didn't you? I, I yeah. worked till the mid-second season. Right, because you guys weren't getting paid anything. Right. And I we didn't know if we were getting a pickup or not. Yeah, ever. So yeah. I remained in casting. Mm-hmm. Kate remained uh, working yeah. Res- yeah. in the restaurant. Kate Manalini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we all just held on. <laughs> so what did you what did you do in casting for like were you primarily reading or were you I um Allison would give me her ideas and uh we'd go through at that time in casting, we used to get real pictures and resumes. <laughs> Said that to Brian too. Real, and we would have a, a wall yeah. stacked full yes. of. So yeah. I had to separate all those into different, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever Allison wanted me to do, I did it and set up the appointments, make sure trying to confirm actors. You were a tough one though, because you would I, say you have to call me back and confirm that the confirmation is actually real. Right. Yeah. Those Not just, yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember that one time. Very organized. We had that yeah. one kid that uh, we had given out an appointment, and it was for um, a bad movie. It was a movie that Shocking. we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was with creative or a big yeah, agency. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the agency, but he, I had given out all the appointments, waited approximately a week or so to confirm. Finally, I hadn't heard anything, so I called. And he still hadn't given the appointments out. And the session was like, you know, a couple days away. Yeah. So what I did is I proceeded to call the managers of everybody. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this kid calls me and he goes, what do you think you're doing? Ugh. And uh, I said, well, I'm doing the work that you should have been doing. Yes, <laughs> yes. And he goes, how dare you? And I said, well, you know what? Let me tell you something. I said, when I call you, you say hello. Because he was so... Yeah. <laughs> befuddled. When uh, I give you the information, you call me back with a confirmation. And when we go to hang up, you say goodbye. You just don't drop the phone. And you, I remember I was yelling at this point. I yeah. turn around and Allison's standing there. She goes, who are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you did casting for 19 years? Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Approximately, yeah. So someone found this quote. That you said, for 19 years, that's what I did. I examined the character, the truth of it, and I think that I didn't know it at the time, but I was learning. I don't remember saying that. (laughs) Does that sound right? Well, what I have said in various interviews is that I was probably honing a craft that I didn't know I was honing. It was never in the forefront of my mind. And I can honestly say I never thought that I would be an actor, <laughs> you know. Uh, it was never something I went, oh, I wonder if there's a role for me. <laughs> At one point, I was trying to get into commercials. and, and Like acting commercials? Yeah. And uh, then life changed, and I ended up, well, you know how I Got into casting, right? Do you know that? How did you get into casting? I don't know that. Well, I was working as a, a receptionist in an aerospace defense company in Sherman Oaks. A friend of mine called who had worked for Stuart, Stu Billet Productions on a court show, and they said, Phyllis, they need a mousy woman for a court show. 
<laughs> and uh, I said, oh, man, I, I didn't want to, I wasn't actively auditioning or going out. I was being a receptionist. And I had one hour for lunch. I had to go over the hill to do this audition. And in the process, at this time, this was the olden days, we wore nylons. And <laughs> I went to the bathroom, <laughs> and as I was pulling them up, I ripped a huge hole. My, my entire knee was out of my, my nylon. <clears throat> so I walked into the audition, and I said, excuse me, are you looking for mousy or lifted up my skirt or, or tacky? <laughs> and so we ended up in a conversation, and, and I wasn't mousy enough to be a mousy woman. <laughs> <laughs> but, Shocking. But in the course of the conversation, I said, you know, I think I might be good in casting. And about a year later, she called me, and that's how I ended up. And I was at the lowest, I mean. Oh, yeah. I I had to do everything, <laughs> everything that nobody else yeah. wanted to do. I was there doing What was it. your pay? What oh, was God. your pay? It was, it was like 300 a week or something. My first job was 250 bucks a week, and I was thrilled. But it would have been about 1983. What would yours have been? Probably in late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a, a little bit earlier, but 250 bucks a week was huge. Yeah. Yep. So that's how I ended up in the casting. And then it just... Now it's a thing people want to do, shockingly. <laughs> but we just sort of ended up in it. Yeah. Um, did you feel the casting process of, of casting The Office was was different than any other show that you had done before? I think it was because the the material was yes, so exactly. different from the other the other shows. It was a give and take, and it was the yeah, normal, getting a joke. yeah, you know, ta da da. Mm -hmm. And this was completely a different style. We so used it was to say, different... if you think you're doing too little, you're still doing too much, right? Because we had to like less is really more with every direction to give everybody, everybody pull it down. Yeah, I have my, the original audition I have for Stan, uh, Leslie in my office, I left the camera running by mistake and it, sh it shows me explaining the genre of the show and how it's going to be a fake documentary. And I think you walk by in the background, by the way, <laughs> and I'm, you know, just saying, and there's poor, poor Leslie going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was just kept repeating, it's less is more. It's, it has to feel like it's a documentary, like in the British show, blah, 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 blah. But that was what we stressed. Was there anyone, was there someone that you remember fighting for that was cast or wasn't cast? I, I you had really, a better, you were in the rooms because you were reading with these actors. Right. So you, you had a better feel for it. But you read with them. I read well. the, with them until Ken Quapis came up to me and said, could you let Phyllis read? Because I think she'd be good in the show. I didn't know any of that. We're sort was of saying going the on. same thing. I mean, she got it because Ken thought she was good, but he, she said, let Phyllis read. Oh my God, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, so Phyllis then went in and started reading with all the actors, and, and she was great. I remember being scared, though. I'm sure you were scared. I think because I, was I didn't want to screw you. it up. I didn't know he was auditioning. Yeah, you. no, yeah. But I was frightened because I wanted to do a good job for the actors. Yeah, yeah. And I read with Rain, and then another time I read with Krasinski, and I remember oh, uh -huh. when when I read with him, I thought, oh, that's that's yeah. the one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It just felt right. Right. I remember I remember John sitting out in the reception area. Yes. And he had the you had put him on tape like the first day. Yes. 
he was put on tape in New York. I met right, him on a uh, general, Jake, remember? We right. had the same man's J. Crew sweater on. I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, shit, I hope he doesn't notice. It's also a... <laughs> His was brown, mine was green. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Well, they, they were all sitting there. And then the second day, he didn't get called back in right, right away. And he just was, like, very nervous. And he later had told me he thought it was because he didn't do... Well, the first day, yes, and in reality, it was the reverse that I think he had already, he had already gotten made it. an yeah. impression, and mm-hmm. and and I remember BJ uh, sitting out there, just he looked like he was petrified. Yeah, he, <laughs> I don't, I didn't know him, I didn't know his personality. I well, you know, know now that's just the way he looks. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, he looked like, and he didn't engage with people. He didn't talk or right. And I thought, oh, what's got put him? You know, but I then I realized that it was yeah. part of his. My big fear in all the casting situations when you mix and match is, oh my god, how bad are they going to feel if they don't get called back in? I hate that. Right, and then Steve. Steve came in day two because yeah, he because he was still whatever on. it was he was still hooked into the other NBC show so right. they let him come in on the second day. What was your Im- impression of Steve? I thought he was brilliant, even at, you know right off. The I told bat. him that I was for me it was a toss up because Odenkirk was so cool and so good. Oh yeah. But then you said uh, that when I was watching the tape of the Steve, other, who was the other guy that? Well, there was there was also um, Paul F. Tompkins and really good people that were testing. But it came down to between Odenkirk and yeah. Carell. But and it would then, have been a different. It would have been a, a different totally show. different yeah. Michael with Odenkirk. You know? But you had said to me that when I was watching the monitor, watching Steve's test, uh-huh. and I was doubled over with laughter, and Greg noticed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You always yeah. thought that was because you a were good having indication. a hard time. Yes, <laughs> you're yes. having a hard time keeping it. Oh my God! Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what um. So you knew way before that they were considering that that Ken was considering Phyllis. Oh no, like an hour before. Oh, an hour. It, we were before. reading that day and yeah. said, "Could you just switch? You do the camera. You do this. Let Phyllis read." And I was at the coffee trying to make sure everything was ready oh, yeah. with the coffee. Mm-hmm. And and Ken came up and he said, "Phyllis, I want you to read the character of Pam today." And I went, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought, well, maybe one of the Pams has is going to be late or I didn't know the why. Of yeah. It. Yeah. And then I was nervous because I didn't know that you knew. And I was like concerned that I was going to be yes. doing something out of line for yes. my job. Yeah. You know? And so you, you knew all along. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and no one really ever came to me. Wardrobe was actually the yes. first one who called and said, I understand you're playing the character of Phyllis. And I went, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you didn't get to tell her that she no, had been cast. No, not for years. No, no, but you, you, didn't, oh, you didn't get to tell her that maybe. she had been cast. I guess wardrobe told wardrobe. me first. Wardrobe really told me first. I think I was in on it and didn't tell her. Right. Do you remember the day that you came in? Yes. And, to our office. No, to the producer oh, session. Oh, right. We were over... Uh, it, where we where we shot the area. first yeah. yeah and um we had to go from to get the actors we had to go about a block and a half yes, within exactly. the building yeah. to bring them back to the mm-hmm. little where we were recording and so as a result the session we were ran our she ran the sessions on time you didn't sit when you went to Allison's yeah 
You brought this up. Yeah. yeah, you you went in. But for some reason, that day, oh, so we were delayed. behind. We were really behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember Leslie had another audition to go to. Mm-hmm. So we said, go ahead, go to your audition yeah. and come back. <laughs> so he went to his audition. Yeah. He came back. He fought the traffic. And he was in a real crummy yeah. mood when he came in. And uh-huh. it must have worked. I know. Him, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and you... Um, Remember when Greg jumped out the window? That's though? exactly what I was going to say to you. I was just going to say that to you. Wait, we wait, tell a, me. Go ahead. In a casting session, just we were uh, Nancy casting. Perkins was there, and she had oh, the yeah, funniest I love comeback. Nancy Perkins. But yeah, yeah. yeah. We were. Was it at the beginning before the lunch hour, or it was? It a, probably there was, a was but it was. We were had all had to sit at a conference table in that the room that you didn't have to go into when you read. You didn't see, but that's where we cast everybody else. And now and go there was for a it. lull, yeah. and all of a sudden, Greg just. Gets up and jumps out this window. He opened the window and jumped out the window. And fortunately, the window was close to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, okay. and then Nancy Perkins, and in we- a thick Boston accent, said, <laughs> said, Oh my God, I've heard of producers wanting to jump out the window before, but he just did it. <laughs> yeah. And we all just what looked did at he, each he other. He needed to get a sweater in his car or something. Was- I don't know why he did it, but it was yeah. funny. Uh- we, we just looked at each other. <laughs> He also used to graph the qualities of actors. Um, oh. He had a graph, and he would, like, put what he needed and what he saw, and he would literally graph the qualities of actors. Does he have that? He has a—I may have that. Oh. He had a very scientific mind uh, when it came to things like that, and that, of course, drove me nuts. But he would always say that he was less instinct and more thinking, over, you know, thinking about it. Who would you put with this, and who would you— who would go with that? If you had these two people, who would be this person? He thought about it very carefully, and it certainly worked on The Office. But jumping out the window, you that and Nancy the, and I were very amused by Nancy was perfect. She was, oh, my God. <laughs> he jumped out the window. <laughs> and now we know that's kind of normal, but at the time. <laughs> well, with Greg, yes. Yeah. Well, exactly. at the time, his comeback know. was terrific. Yeah. Right? I've heard of producers wanting to jump out the window before, but... <laughs> Well, I it's interesting because of you talking about that on the casting side, because what we've been told by some of the writers was one of the exercises that they did, they called them unlikely duos or something like that. Mm-hmm. And everyone's name would be on the wall, right? So Kevin and Phyllis and Michael and Dwight. Oh, wow. and, mm-hmm. and one of their exercises was take two characters that you wouldn't put together, put together ah. and let's put them together and then have some story about that. Interesting. Yeah. But it's interesting on from the casting perspective, yeah. from mm-hmm. the beginning, wanting to Oh, yeah. Like, he does. That's at least how he did it with The Office. Yeah. He would ask everybody, you know, would you rather have this person or this person? And then if you have this person, would you rather have this person or this person? But he was a very um, pensive and thoughtful person that way. And yes. those are the like the, the people that kind. we've had yeah. the privilege to work for, Mitch Hurwitz and Judd Apatow okay. and Paul Feig. They do think about things in a different way to make the whole greater than the sum of its parts. They all have strange ways and interesting ways of thinking. I call it comedy Aspergers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Mitch, remember? <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> he was great. Why do you think the two of you worked so well together? Kind of laid back and we, enjoyed it. Yeah, right. We had a lot of laughs, and I, I 
truly, I'm not just saying this because she's sitting here. She can remember every actor that not only opened their mouth to her, but walked in, you know, that just walked the through the room. No. <laughs> <laughs> she has, and she was never afraid to go out and find new talent. She just had an eye. She had an eye for somebody that was unique and different. And uh, so did you, though. I just a little anecdote. We cast a show called Spin City when it was at was it Spin oh. City or Battery Park that you met Dakota Fanning on when she was six. Yeah, we were at Radford and. Phyllis uh, was reading kids for a one-line role on a Christmas episode or something. Mm -hmm. And Phyllis said, Allison, I read this girl, but come on in and we'll read her again because you've never seen anything like this. And it was six-year-old Dakota Fanning reading right. one line right. about being an orphan or something. Right. And Phyllis literally was like, I've never seen anything like it. She was wonderful. She yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So Dakota Fanning and Shia LaBeouf go down for me as the best child actors I've ever seen. Wow. Um. When you guys walked in and you saw each other, what is it about the history between you two that feels so special? We just love each we other. We just love each other, and <laughs> she's do. hilarious, and we had a lot and of good he, laughs. We did. We, yeah. we had a lot of good uh, – mm -hmm. we enjoyed yeah. it. And love actors. And That's, basically a great – just a great like, ultimately, who cares? So let's just have fun. Yeah. Plus, you. she's a dear person, and we worked together for a long time, and she always knew my sisters and stuff. Ditto. My brothers. Yeah. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to kick Allison out, and Phyllis and I, uh, we're going to sit down for a chat together. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. It's a hard time for hiring, so you need a hiring partner built for hard times. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, Phil. Hi, Kev. <laughs> That's what you've been in my life for so long, Bri. I know. Well, um, yeah, so we sort of talked about... Um, I think it's fascinating that you were casting all of these shows and never had a thought. I truly, I can honestly say that that was not, I thought that ship had sailed. And so, um, I don't know, it was just a, a meant to be and it's changed my life completely. Yeah. Completely. In a good way. You yeah. know. Did you have any training? No. No. <laughs> I... I, Alan Hochberg, who I worked for on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, I worked with him for about six years, six or seven years, and he actually taught me how to hold the parasites and read with an actor, and and so he was instrumental in helping me to learn how to read with an actor and treat an actor, and 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 then when Allison 
she was another person who really, a lot of casting directors did not get involved when they read with actors, as you know. But Allison really gave her all when she read with people. So again, being in the room and watching her interact with the actor and watching the actors, um, it just, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I've heard of people, I never did this, but I've heard of actors who will find an in with a casting director to to be the person who reads with Oh, yeah, actors. that used to happen all the time. Right, because they wanted to see, you know, actors' performances and be privy to the conversations about why that person got cast and that person got cast. Mm-hmm. It always seemed like kind of a smart thing, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to go in and hear what people were talking okay. about or what they were responding to or you as an actor learning tips from that. And it's so fascinating that you were doing that for 19 years. But I didn't. But, but you I weren't did, even trying. It, just, was, it right. just came in. Right. It wasn't my job at that time was to do the best that I could for the actor to get the job or to cipher out who shouldn't be there and who should be there, you know. But it turned out okay. It turned out okay. <laughs> um, so you got a call from wardrobe. So at this point, you have no idea. I just thought it was odd that day that Ken came to me. I really felt nervous because I didn't want to step on Allison's toes. Um, I think there was a fax that came through that had the character of Phyllis there, but we didn't, I didn't want to even believe that it was going to be a possibility. And as soon as wardrobe calls, then I, because nobody ever came and said, hey, do you want to be in the show? Right. So you never really auditioned. uh, No, I guess I auditioned, but didn't know I was auditioning, which is another Thank you. <laughs> because I would have been completely, if, if I was nervous enough wanting to do a good job for the, the people I was reading with, had I known he was actually watching me. But you know what? They did use a tape of my reading at the network. One of the tapes that they presented, I was reading with someone, so it was covered in the long run, <laughs> but I didn't know any of that at the time. That is so amazing. So. I think that is like best <laughs> story ever. I think some actors think, you know, not our group of people, but I, I run across other people sometime and they, and if they hear this story, they go, oh, you know, they're kind of a little bit like, well, look, I studied it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. And so they're not too thrilled with it. <laughs> right. Well, I think it speaks to what you know the producers and and Greg and Ben and 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 Ricky and Steven were looking for in in this that they were really looking for normal people, yeah, ordinary normal, people, n- not known faces in any way, shape, or form, and just people that go to an office, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, I think that potentially Phyllis and Kevin were the butt of a lot of jokes. We were, we were, we were definitely the butt of a lot of, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not all, but a lot. Um, did you, how was that for you? Did I take offense to that or anything? Yeah. No. Uh-uh. I have to say though, when they wanted me to carry Angela on my back <laughs> in the finale, that I thought, okay, that's a little much. <laughs> right. First of all, physically, I'm not, wasn't sure how it was going to play out. 
Uh, but then they took care of it and it all, you know, with, with the stunts and boards and stuff like that. Right. And then I actually carried her like once or twice down the aisle, but, <laughs> but that was a, a, just a tinge to my feeling. Well, that's a little bit over the. <laughs> yeah. I certainly had some of those things as well. I think that my, I was told at some point, I think it was, it was either season seven or season eight. And we were talking about going forward without Steve. And I was talking to some of the higher ups and they said, well, we can't lose Kevin because now that Michael's gone, we have nobody else to do really, really stupid things. So like, oh, we, that's what they were told you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I started doing a ton of the physical stuff too. And right. Like, there was oil in the warehouse and slipping around right. and doing all this stuff. And, I remember in like rain on my back on the filing cabinet, like giving me a massage. And there were a few times I went to them and I was like, okay, guys, I am not a cartoon character. There are physical limitations uh, to, to what? what I can do. So you can't just write anything and to go, oh, well, yeah, he can do that. Of course. Yeah. I was always grateful to get a line. <laughs> That'd be like the, you know, you get a script and you start thumbing through it to say, oh, wow, I've got three, four. (laughs) So yeah, I was, I was grateful to get a line. Did you communicate much with the writers about character? I never did. I didn't know I was, had, I didn't know that, that if that was permissible, I hadn't been in those shoes before as an, as an actor. So I, whatever they gave me, I, I was glad I got, you know, was more unhappy when I didn't get something than than what I did get. Right. Do you feel like there were things specific to you that influenced the character of Phyllis? Um, golly. I think, well, with my personality, I sometimes, like, off, can I can be sarcastic, you know, in a sweet way. <laughs> And so I must have done that to somebody somewhere along the line, and they kind of picked up on it. Um, I, I was, I, I don't, I don't, I never, I, are these the questions I should be asking when I have a character? No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I, think I mean, I, as it creating a character, this is. No, I think it's more, you know, for me, I'm just wondering, because I don't know the answer is like, did you have, you know, whether you saw something in yourself that sort of came through. I I just tried to do it from my gut I because I didn't have anything else to work from. So if I got the line, I would try to deliver it a couple of different ways with a different feeling. And um, I, like I said, I never really thought of like a backstory for Phyllis. I never had the knowledge to do that are the tools to do that. I just went from my gut and she just, and however people perceived her, then all of a sudden that's what she'd be given. And uh, like, I, I always loved my interactions with Michael because we were so competitive in high school and, you know. Right. But then I think another significant would be Angela. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a perfect, you know, the fact that I was so much larger than she was, but she tried to rule me, uh, and I completely, what is the word, yeah, 
I said acquiesced to to what she wanted until I got to the point that I couldn't stand her, you know. Right. And that's kind of the way I do in life. I take, 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 and then all of a sudden I blow up. So, (laughs) so, so it is like you. Yes, it is like me. It is like you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look, it took all that time to get to that point. (laughs) Um, But luckily for Phyllis, (laughs) you walked in on Angela and Dwight. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which shifted. The whole b- balance of power. I, w- I was the one in, in charge then. Right. Right. I mean, that must have been fun. Oh, to it was play. the best. <laughs> yeah. Like when I swooped everything off the desk, that wasn't, nobody told me to do that. I just did it. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the arc of Angela being the, my nemesis to my, Becoming her nemesis. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish Sussman, every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox, 
you can't go around it. So you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Right. Oh, I didn't think about it like that before, but right. That's exactly what happened. Do you have any favorite episodes? Oh, there's so many, though. That I mean, there's moments, I think I've talked about one before, where Dwight and, and Michael, they bump chest and they go, we did it. And then they go, what'd we do? I don't know. It's just a stupid little, but it kind of like encapsulates the the whole feeling of the office is like they're doing something and then what we you know yeah um favorite episodes that i've you know when of course my wedding and i love the scene that you and i did together when i was in charge of trying and you came in you wanted money that was really one of the first scenes that i ever had one-on-one with you and it felt really real I enjoyed our inter- I think I said something to you that day yeah. after the scene. Yeah. It, for me, whoever we were paired off with on that particular day or episode uh-huh. or whatever, it was generally exciting. Ex- yeah, a good a good deal. I love the episode where Dwight kind of I hurt my back at the disco and he takes and treats me as if I'm a farm animal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember not I mean not necessarily where you were or what but hearing that that Steve was going to leave. Oh man, that was the it was like somebody punched you in the stomach, you know. Um I remember just being very sad about it. Why? I, be, because I I liked him so much as a person. I respected him so much as an actor. I I thought he had brought so much heart to the to the office, to the show, and I was really nervous about how that void was going to be filled. Not only, you know, as his acting abilities, but also as a, he was just a, a good guy. Yeah. You know. I remember feeling way more emotional about him leaving than oh. even the end of the show. Oh, really? I think... Because I felt like, you know, like a kid when mom and dad leaves or mm-hmm. something. It's like, well, now, now right. what? Yeah. And there's actually one of my, I think one of my personal favorite lines was when he proposes to Holly and the rain's coming down and we're getting soaked by all the sprinklers. 
And he says, we're going to Colorado. (laughs) And Kevin says, all of us? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And there was just something so sort of beautiful about About that. that. And then the realization that, no, 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 he was, he was leaving. Yeah. You know, when you you talked about when the show ended in, uh, after the ninth season, that was a tough, tough night, especially when Creed started singing. But it, for me, it was really tough. Like months later, after the show had ended, and we generally would go back to work around July or August, that's when it set in that, oh, this is life's different now. You know, we're not going back. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> when I sat down with Greg before that last season or moving into the finale, and we started talking about, you know, my life's journey at that point through the office and Kevin and my experience was um, people feeling like they knew me and specifically feeling like I was the guy that they wanted to get a drink with. Oh. And I would I said something to him like, Greg, I can't go into a bar without getting bought multiple drinks. Uh-huh. Like they just come to the point I say, no, no, I, I'm good. No, thank you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good I'm now. Good, I'm I, good, I, I'm I gotta, good. I gotta stop now, guys. At least people that call you Kevin, you know that they know you from the show. Right. You. <laughs> Me, when people say, Phyllis, I have to think for a moment, okay, do I have our paths crossed for a, a moment? Do I know you or... But in reality, I do know them, or they know me because I've been in their bedroom and their living room and their kitchen and before they go to work and as they go to sleep. And so we are a part of our fans' lives, you know? Absolutely. But at least you can decipher yours a little better with Kevin and, <laughs> and Brian. That's true. I never <laughs> thought about that before. Phyllis or Creed or Oscar, Oscar. or... Angela, yeah. And especially if they say, oh, I saw you at, and I'm thinking, okay, now did I, you know, did I go to school with them or what? Right. That's actually the most difficult, well, I have two difficult fan interactions. One is I'll be at a at a serious place of business, like, like in a thing and I'm meeting someone or I have a good friend who's introducing me to a good friend who says like, oh, we've met before, right? <laughs> yeah. And I immediately go, no, I know we haven't. <laughs> and I know why you think, think that I we've knew. met before. Right, right. But then to say that, you become like, I don't know, douchey. A, right, You're like, right. no, well, I was on a television show. You know, like, so... I- yeah. For me, I love all the fan interaction. I have I really haven't had a the hardest part for me of a is at a funeral. That's really awkward. I've had it happen twice and I just have to say, you know, I'm here because of this, not you right. know. Or if you're at a wedding and yeah. cuz I tend to forget, you know, I I when I go to a wedding, I go to a wedding because I like the person. Right. But other than that, I have no problem with them coming right. up to me. No, I don't Nobody either. wants to buy me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink. But I think it's the specific, yeah, yeah. in part it's the specific uh, character. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you remember, I mean, you talked a little bit about it, 
uh, Creed's last song. Like that, that, that's the moment that you remember about the finale and like the, it's well, over the whole thing. finale was, uh, you know, driving out to that ranch out in the middle of nowhere. And it was a total surprise to me. I didn't know Steve was going to come back. And I was, you know, just so thrilled to even see him out alone having be in the finale. And that was the best to have a full reunion for the finale. So you didn't know until you saw him there. I saw him in the middle of the night getting out of my car and there he was, you know. And I'm going, oh my God, <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. yeah. I, I had no idea he was coming back because they, they hid it in the script. It was not in the script. I somehow knew the night before. I, I didn't don't remember. Know. I don't remember how, but yeah. like literally the night before or something like that. Uh-huh. It was more like. Don't you tell a soul, <laughs> but, and I don't remember who told me or it was, whatever, but yeah, I remember it, it was being perfect. shocking. <laughs> What's it, and his line, his talking head about the, your, your, uh, children marrying each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just the, that's what she said. Yeah. Joe. yeah this is yeah. the first thing out of his mouth. Just so perfect. Um, and that's the thing that people don't realize now, like when you watch it on Netflix at the time, it was such a big surprise because right. everyone was asking and everyone was saying Same. no. Right. Cause we assumed that it was a no. No, but I mean, even him and right. Greg to, and right. the network didn't know, like nobody knew. Yeah. Um, now when you watch the show, you, you know, the, not as much build up. <laughs> um, what do you think? It is about the show that makes people respond so crazy to it now. Oh, golly. I don't know. People say they'll come up and they'll say, I just love your, you know, they love this or they love that. And they have a Dwight in their office or they have a Kevin in their office or they have, you know, they have those people so they can relate in some way to the various characters. Um but it was just different. You know, it took a bold step. And in today's world, it's some of it may cross the lines. You know, things are so politically correct nowadays. So, uh, and little kids, look at that. We had a six-year-old who was asking us questions who, uh, they were so intelligent and informed and and to me, six is a little young to, <laughs> to, I think it's to, a be, lot, yeah. <laughs> to be involved in the show. But uh, what do you think? I, I don't know. I think it's just about the characters and that it's it's a workplace comedy, but really it's a family. Right. A family. Yeah. We've, we've, we become enmeshed in each other's lives. Um, yeah. What was it all about for you? Um, uh, we became family over the nine years. We didn't, nobody really knew each other, but we all grew up together in a nine-year period. And uh, it was one of the best parts of my life. Yeah. And... Yeah. Phyllis, 
thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you for thinking of me. <laughs> I I love you so much. It's a I'm, I'm so honored it's, it's to call a, myself your friend and we share something that, that will never, uh, ever go away. Exactly. We're heart to heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does, doesn't get any better than her. Uh, thank you, Phyllis. Uh, thank you, Allison Jones, again, for joining me. Um, and thanks to all of you, once again, for listening. Have a stupendous week this week. Let's have the best week ever. And I will see you next time for another installment of The Office Deep Dive. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our associate producer is Emily Carr. And our assistant editor is Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.